Hi, I'm Nick Camaretti, and this is The Schema. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Mike Werner, Vice President of Business Transformation at Tandime Health, about how alternative payment models and a patient-centric approach can create value in a system that's at its breaking point. Mike, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Nick. So before we get going, if you could just give me a little background on yourself as well as Tandime as an organization, that would be great. Sure. Uh, my name is Michael Werner. I've been the Vice President of Business Transformation at Tandime Health for the past few years. Been at Tandime for about seven and a half, eight years now. Tandime is a pop agent health based company in the Philadelphia area. We're a subsidiary of Independence Blue Cross. Work with about, I guess, 480 primary care physicians in the Philadelphia area. Take risk for about 100,000 patient lives in and around the area. Great. Um, so, you know, we've known each other for a little while now. And, you know, prior to coming to Tandem, where you've been for a while, um, you weren't really in the healthcare industry per se. So what drove your interest in going to Tandem, what drove you into healthcare and kind of like, why now, really? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a long winding story, but the, the gist of that, I had a very fun experience as a, a growing up in, in management consulting and industry, uh, got to be in a lot of different uh, places, and whether it be government or manufacturing, pharmaceuticals, uh, had a, a pretty broad span of experience. And then, you know, just got into healthcare the way most people did as a consumer. You know, as I got married and had kids, you start you know, paying more attention to healthcare. Um, and then when Tandem started, I knew a few people who had worked there and they were asking me if I was interested in joining. And I, I jumped in because uh, I really was uh, enjoyed the mission of engaging and enabling and empowering primary care physicians with a focus on uh, the patients in the Philadelphia area. Was it the right decision? Are you happy that you, you went into the healthcare world? Yeah, it's been fantastic. It's been, Tandem's been kind of the land of opportunity for me and a lot of others. Uh, we were able to build an organization from the ground up we had a lot of help from our, our parents, um, Independence Blue Cross and others, that helped us grow along the way. But it's been a really interesting experience. And as the market continues to grow, this, the sky's the limit for what we can do. Yeah, definitely. Well, if we kind of shift to really focus on the healthcare industry as a whole, I think we can all agree it's inefficient. Uh, there are a lot of challenges that physicians and clinicians are facing on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, there's rising cost across the industry. Outcomes aren't necessarily improving and you know, if we think about COVID in the last couple of years, you know, burnout is at an all-time high, and there's a lot of wasted time kind of surfing through the day-to-day -day requirements of operating a healthcare system. So how, in your opinion, can health systems increase efficiency and, and become better at what they do? Yeah, it's interesting. One thing I learned from working in a bunch of different industries is everyone thinks they're the most inefficient, and healthcare really is. It's been uh, eye-opening to me to see uh, just the amount of volume of work that goes into uh, taking care of a patient. And it's not necessarily value-added work. There's a lot of administrative uh, asks of a primary care physician or a specialist or anybody in the healthcare ecosystem that really don't, at the end of the day, drive a lot of uh, positive behavior change. And I think what we need to do as we become more efficient is to figure out a way to use our people at the top of their license, develop the processes that will help them provide the care for the right patient at the right time, and then use technology to inform the analytics that will help define the population that needs the most help. I think you, you bring a good point there with technology and how it can play a role. You know, there was a study not too long ago done where you know, more than 50% of physicians today are facing burnout or, or are saying they're burnt out. And you know, that leads to less accurate work, you know, potentially not necessarily capturing all required you know, elements of patient care when interacting with the patient at the point of care. So how does technology play a role? How is that something that can help improve 
how physicians you know, perform their day-to-day -day tasks and make them you know, more comfortable with what they're doing. Yeah, this is a topic we talk about almost daily at Tandime. And there are articles ad nauseum about physician burnout, both physically and emotionally and mentally. Um, there's a lot of ways to, to look at the, the whole idea of burnout. But really the common thread in all of this is the administrative burden that's put upon practices. They have multiple contracts, multiple payers with multiple entities. They all have different views of how healthcare should be provided, which is then put on the back of the primary care physician to then um, you know, adhere to different forms or different quality measures, et cetera. So as we move forward, one of the big things that will be uh, part of the evolution of primary care and, and population health will be to figure out how to consolidate a lot of this information into more payer agnostic workflows. And that actually becomes really important for Tandime as an organization too. Um, and it's a, kind of relating it back to the work that you're doing day to day, you know, with the organization growing and, and taking on more contracts and thinking about how to expand, you know, that's something that is probably pretty relevant for you in, in how you're thinking through the work that you're doing. It, it really is. One of the biggest things we're working on right now is how to properly help a practice transform. We can't go in and without full mind share of the practice, tell them what to do, but we can help them work through the processes, uh, figure out how to best transform their practice and to really take advantage and work at the top of their license. You know, if we think about value-based care, and the transition to value-based care. It's a minor percentage of the overall way in which physicians get paid today. You know, close to 97 or 98% of physicians still rely on fee-for-service payment models. So how do we transition providers to more value-based care contracts? How do we really get adoption in that space? As we know, it's something that's had a slow uptake over the past you know, handful of years. That's the truth. And, and it really comes down to taking apart the whole concept of value-based care and looking at it in its individual areas. Um, the first thing that we like to focus on is population health, which is really the clinical strategy uh, that underpins the care model. And, and then the value-based contracting, which is the economics that feed uh, the population health. And as we are better at aligning the economics with the care for the patient, then uh, the, the whole methodology and the model will become more relevant. Um, what we see now is that there are still systems out there that rely on RVUs to help feed um, into the hospital systems or the specialties, et cetera. Uh, but as we move forward, we have to figure out how to best align the economics across the entire ecosystem to bring them all as part of the care. And you know, I think that transitions well into another area I wanted to, to touch on today around larger health systems in general consolidating. You know, acquisition is a big part of the overall growth strategy for many organizations today. And as we kind of look to tie that back into technology and the way that technology can play a role, and to your point of kind of aligning payment models across organizations, with, with acquisitions occurring, there will be less organizations overall. Uh, but how do you see that playing a role? Is that going to support that transition? Or do you see that as something that could limit, you know, based on the way that larger organizations work today? Sure. Yeah. And I think you have to look at both sides of that transaction. At Tandine, I work primarily with independent docs. We also work with some clinical integrated networks and some health systems, but the bulk of our business right now in our work is with primary care. Uh, and if you look at the, the whole idea of acquisitions from a healthcare system, both sides of that transaction from a healthcare system perspective, I mean, they do a lot of the same stuff that a customer does before they come to you with what we need a population health tool, they do a build versus buy assessment. And as a healthcare system, it's, I imagine, much easier to uh, try to acquire or buy a practice than it is to hang a shingle and compete in an area where there's already a number of PCPs. Now, as a uh, primary care physician, we know a lot of the burden on them is, is in their managed services, running their EMR, you know, taking care of all the different contracts, et cetera. So the idea of of, of selling your practice and moving into a, an arrangement with a larger system to take some of that burden off your back is pretty enticing. 
but I think as we move forward, it, it's, there needs to be a healthy balance between what is an independent practice and what is a health system. That's the way the economy, the healthcare economy will work best. Yeah. And I know we've, we've talked about this as well, but as organizations look to kind of come together through acquisition and the you know, ability to kind of scale and, and work across those organizations through technology becomes more important. How is that playing a role in your opinion and from what you've seen? Like how is the adoption of technology that's brought into a new organization going? Is it a challenge? Is there certain things that you see as kind of the best way of, of adopting that technology? Yeah, the adoption technology, it also takes a little bit of time. You don't always implement your technology that uh, is specific to just one contract. What we have to do is, is get to the place where we're able to harness the power of the technology and the processes that they can enable to pull in multiple sources of information from different EMRs, different HIEs, et cetera, so that when it's put in front of the practice, in front of the provider, they have consistent information at the point of care, uh, regardless of where it's coming from. Yeah, and that's, that's a great point. We know there's data sources coming from payers, there's data sources coming from EHRs, from HIEs, to your point. So with all of these different sources of data made available to providers and to health systems, it is really challenging to keep on top of all of it. And if it's all in a separate place, you know, again, back to the point of burnout, that's taking up a large portion of a provider's time when they should be focusing on the care for right. their patient. Um, so how can kind of like process and workflow improvement help address that need of minimizing time spent on consolidating and, and making you know, better decisions from the data that's available to them? Yeah, I mean, all these payer contracts are different and all of these uh, population health companies that interact with practices are different. You know, there's a reason why in every CMS program that's now put in front of us, the first couple of lines are around, how do you reduce the administrative burden for you know, the practice through this model? The technology can do a lot to help us with that. Uh, as you have all this information coming in, helping to define some of those workflows that are not quite so centered on one population versus another are gonna be critically important for the practice. Pulling together those actionable insights at the point of care is really where the practices really want to get to. Uh, consistency, data being calculated properly, things like that are all critically important to the practice. They don't have to guess. Uh, so as much as we can get them out of, of guessing and have more of a, uh, a, a place where they can work at the top of their license is uh, the path forward for this. Another aspect of this too, right, is adoption of technology as a whole. I think we're getting better as an industry within healthcare, but you know, I grew up in a family of doctors and nurses, and when EHRs became mandatory or it became kind of more of the norm, there was a lot of pushback amongst kind of older physicians and clinicians in, in um, the healthcare industry. So, you know, along with being able to simplify that for them and creating workflows that will help support the way in which they adopt it, you know, what level of support outside of that is needed to help them as well? Yeah, we have a metaphor at Tandon that we talk about pretty often where we say, we're going to back up the Pop Health dump truck and lay a bunch of stuff on the feet of the practice. That never works, right? So as we take a step back and say, how do we best approach some of these problems with this incredibly inefficient healthcare space? A lot of it can be adopted through technology, but technology won't solve all the problems. Clinicians become clinicians for a reason. They want to help patients. So helping them be at the top of their license is where they want to get to. So as we can define and help them transform their practice to be more payer agnostic, we'll be able to achieve some of those areas. You know, just simple things like, can we set up a better pre-visit planning process? Or can we take some of the, uh, you know, the quality measure work out of the hands of the, of the clinicians that, aren't, that are more administrative and, and less patient focused? There's things that we can do to just tip the iceberg to get into uh, making more efficient processes. Yeah, yeah, that makes complete sense. You know, talking about the transition to value-based care, it's something that we talked about, you know, in the sense of challenges the industry has faced to date 
around making that transition from fee-for-service to value-based care. But if we think about the next few years and challenges that we expect to encounter, uh, share a little insight around that and kind of what you and, and your colleagues see as the challenges that you're looking to prepare for. And a few areas that we're preparing for now that you need to see kind of coming down the pipe. Um, the first is we have to maintain the clinical strategy as the, the tip of the spear of the North Star for any sort of population health work. That, that will be incredibly important to get the clinicians buy-in without which value-based care will fall in space. The second part that I would really draw attention to is how do we best align economics across the entire healthcare ecosystem. The facilities, the hospitals, the specialties all have a stake in the game here for providing care to the patient. Um, so as Pop Health moves from the initial iteration, which is very focused on primary care, we have to get to the point where we start to think about pulling in the rest of the ecosystem as well. Uh, and the third thing is how to best apply technology to reduce some of the burden on the practices. I think all of this is really well summed up um, in a comment you made earlier where providers became providers in order to deliver care. You know, they didn't want to have to worry about technology and other aspects of the overall industry. And so in being able to free up more time that they're currently spending, you know, surfing through data, reading textbooks, preparing date for the day-to-day -day with their patients, you know, how is generating a more patient-centric approach also playing a role here? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the triple aim, the whole focus of the triple aim is provider outcomes or patient outcomes. And the providers, when they look at that, it really resonates with them. So as we talk to our, our providers and any providers that we might want to bring into our network, uh, we always lead with the clinical strategy of this is good because it's good for your patient. Uh, risk adjustment is a clinical strategy. It's good for your patient because of this. So you know, as we continue to move forward, having that clinical strategy as the forebear to all these conversations is what the clinicians want to hear, and that's how we want to present ourselves. One last question uh, for you today that I had was, healthcare is one of those industries that everyone can relate to in one way or another. You know, we're all touched by it and personally, as well as family members, friends, et cetera. Uh, and so what excites you about what's to come and kind of this shift to value-based care, you know, the way in which the industry as a whole is, is changing, you know, what, what really excites you about, you know, your day-to-day -day and being a part of it? Uh, you know, for me, uh, coming at this from initially from the consumer lens, where I could see it going was, you know, why does everybody need a referral for this or copay for that? And then you get into the weeds a little bit more as working in healthcare and you start to you know, see some of the reasons why that's important and, and, and where the value is in these areas. And I always apply back, I apply everything back to some aspect of my life. Like I look at all the different tools a practice has to face and I think about uh, my kids. My kids play baseball and they swim and they play softball and I have an app and a communication tool and some other different mode of communication for all those. And it drives me nuts to try to keep all that stuff straight. I can only imagine what it's like to do that for 12 hours a day with a bunch of patients in front of you that all require your care. Um, so for me, I think one of the, the, uh, the really interesting things going forward is how do we, uh, we're going to get to the point where we are beyond all the different tools. We're going to get to more payer agnostic workflows um, so that when my mom goes to the doctor or my dad goes to the doctor, they're getting the best care that they deserve uh, at the right time. Yeah. Well, Mike, I, I, again, I want to thank you for spending time with us today. It was a great discussion and you know, look forward to talking more in the future. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate having me.